Welcome to Peak City Church. We pray that this message fills you with hope and encourages you wherever you are. Also, follow us on social media at Peak City Co. to stay connected with us. Be blessed. Man, oh man, it's good to be back with you. You look beautiful today. Look beautiful. The summer has tanned you well. Um, on that See the Need um, initiative that we're starting, um, I, do, I do want you to see um, that even, because I actually think this is gonna be really hard for us, right? I, I think we have um, gotten so accustomed to assuming that other people are taking care of the needs in our community that we honestly sometimes don't even have eyes to see it. And so I think it's gonna take some time for us to really be aware and observe and, and communicate these needs because truthfully, like I'm gonna step on your toes a little bit because it's me included, we all live pretty sheltered lives, right? We've sheltered ourselves from a lot of pain and a lot of suffering that's happening in the community around us. And so it's gonna take some time, but, but I, I want you to know, like if you have a week that goes by and you don't see a need that you can communicate on the website to us, uh, that doesn't mean you're not a part of this, all right? Every time you get financially here at Peak City, whether it's through our offering boxes in the back of the room, whether you set your giving up online, when you give to this church, a portion of that is gonna go towards this See the Need initiative. And so, man, the more you give, the more we can give away. So I just wanna encourage, if you're not yet giving, uh, consider that a really, really good step in the right direction. But man, I'm so pumped to be back with you guys. If you're new, uh, my name's Petey. I'm the lead pastor here, and I've been out of the pocket for a little bit. Uh, about the past month or so, I've been on um, a study break. It's a, it's a gift that our elders, kind of my board of directors here at the church, it's a gift that they give me every year to just take a few weeks and get away and not be on a stage in front of people <laughs> and not having something profound to say, because you know, like, most people, all people, don't have that many profound things to say, all right? And, and the human heart was not created for that much attention all the time. And so it's a really good and healthy thing for me to get a few weeks away, and so I'm thankful for it, thankful to you guys and for everyone that's carried the load um, while I've been gone, super grateful for it. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I, I really do think it's the kind of rhythm um, that will enable me to do this for the long haul, right? Because I ain't trying to be your pastor for three or four years. I, I, I'm praying, God willing, that I get to be your pastor for the next 30, 40 years. And so um, that kind of rhythm, I'm really, really grateful for it. My family's grateful for it. Um, but, but while I was on it, right, like the first week of study break every year is always a little weird for me. Because like when I, when I wake up on Monday morning and I realize I don't have a sermon to preach to you on Sunday, I, I, I don't have to think about something to say to you, I don't have to get up in front of you. It's like a good breather, but it's also a little disorienting. Right, like most of the time when I, when I sit back on those days right after I've gotten done preaching, I don't have to preach the next weekend, I'll sit back on my back porch with my Bible and my journal, a little cup of coffee, and, and honestly, I'm a little confused, <laughs> right? Because when you do this all the time, you start to really lose sight of who you are, right? Like there's, there's times when I, like, I sit back and I look at my hands and I'm like, who am I, right? Because it just feels like a snap of a finger. It feels like just yesterday I was an 18-year-old punk in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, about to graduate high school, and like, you ever have moments like that where life is moving so quick and there's so much that you've got to do and so many responsibilities you've got to carry and then occasionally you sit and look at yourself, yourself and you're like, whoa, who am I? <laughs> who have I become? Right, it's a little disorienting. You're trying to figure out who you are. And, and I think a lot of us are in that boat at different times in our life. We're trying to figure out who we are. Who did God create us to be? And it's not just us that are asking the question, who are we, right? Who, who are you? Our world is also asking that question of you. Our world is constantly trying to help you answer the question, who are you? 
right? The world is trying to fit you into categories and labels and trying to, trying to make sense of you, right? Are you Democrat? Are you Republican? Are you pro-life? Are you pro-choice? Are you, a, are you a jock or are you a nerd, right? Are you a stay-at-home mom? Or are you a working mom? There's all these like categories that the world tries to slap onto you to help you make sense of who you are. It's almost like you and the world around us, it's like we're all playing like a life-size game of guess who. Anybody ever played guess who back in the day? Guess who was my favorite board game growing up. Um, for many reasons, primarily though, I just love the faces on it. They all look so weird, right? And there's so many backstories I was curious. I was like, why is Robert so sad? Like midlife crisis is all I can figure out. Like what, like, what, what was going on in Robert's life that would cause such a sad face? And why would they even put that on the game Guess Who, right? But you know, in Guess Who, you're like, you're trying to fit into categories. Like, are you old? Are you bald? Are you, you know, are you a boy? Are you a girl? You're trying to figure out who you are. And, and what I wanna do today is I wanna bring you some clarity to help you understand who you are. But the way I wanna do that today is by showing you first and foremost who you are not, right, who you're not. And, and really that's like the powerful thing in Guess Who, right? Like you say, are you bald? Nope, okay, I can knock down those options, right? Are you old? Or, nope, nope, I'm gonna knock down those options. You actually start to win the game when you understand who the person's not. See, today I wanna show you through John chapter one that we're gonna read together today, I wanna show you who you're not. And, 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 and I believe that knowledge of who you're not is gonna set you free. I think some of you are riddled with anxiety and stress and fear and worry, and it's because you don't know who you're not. All right, the, the, the title of my message today, for those of you that are taking notes, is the freedom of knowing who you're not. All right, you gotta know who you're not if you wanna step into who you really are. All right, y'all ready to go to work? John chapter one, we in verse six. Thank you, Jacob McCann. John chapter one, verse six. If you have a Bible, you can get there. If not, we'll have the words on the screen for you. Um, the freedom of knowing who you're not, man. I, I, I saw it set some people free in the last service and I'm praying that God will do it again in this service. John chapter one, verse six, we start here. It says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, if you're not familiar with, with the Bible, if you're new to faith, it's a great church for you to belong in. Um, what, what they're talking about when, when he says the light, he's talking about Jesus, All right? Jesus, one of his nicknames was the light of the world. So he says, John the Baptist was this guy who was sent into the world, not to be the light, but to tell people about the light, Right? He was sent to be someone as a, as a witness to this coming Jesus, this Messiah, this, this God in the flesh. And John was no joke. All right, John, was, John was a big deal. John starts this preaching ministry, but he doesn't do it like most guys. Most guys go to like the city where all the people are gathered and they start preaching. John says, I'm gonna go out to the desert where there's nobody. And I'm gonna start telling people about Jesus. And all of a sudden, hundreds and thousands of people are flocking to the deserts to hear him preach. And it's amazing, right? It's amazing. John was no joke. He was a great preacher, but more than that, he was actually just a man of great character. Jesus said this about John. I, I love this. Just imagine Jesus saying this about you, how much, how much pressure it would actually put on you. In, in Matthew 11, Jesus says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. <laughs> He's like, you can have MJ, you can have LeBron, you can have Gretzky, you can have Tiger Woods. I'm taking John the Baptist. He's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. 
right? He's a man of incredible character, incredible integrity, incredible preacher, gathering, building this huge ministry. And you gotta know, when he's building this huge ministry, he probably had some moments where he was looking at himself going like, who am I? <laughs> what have I become? I was just like a random person a little while ago. And now like people are coming out to hear me out in the wilderness preach, like, who am I? And then he had the Jewish leaders who were playing the game of guess who with him, right? He has these Jewish leaders that are trying to fit him into labels and categories, right? And in the midst of this crazy moment where John's having all this success and it's so disorienting and everyone's playing the game of guess who, John is able to stay grounded and centered, right? He's able to stay true to who he is by first and foremost declaring who he is not. Look with me in the next verse. Verse 19, it says, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? Right, they come and they say, who are you? He came right out and he said, I am not the Messiah. It's not me. They said, well, then who are you? They asked, are, are you Elijah? Are you like the prophet from the Old Testament that didn't die, he was just kind of taken up into heaven? Are you Elijah reincarnated? Are you like a big deal? He's like, no, no, he replied. Are you the prophet we've expected? We've been thinking this prophet would come and tell us more about who God really is. Are you him? No, no, not me. See, John starts right out the gates and he says, the first thing you need to know about who I am is that I am not God. I am not God. And I believe that if you would declare that statement today, if you would stand up to yourself and declare, I am not God, that it might just set you free. And I know some of you are thinking like, I'm not God. I know I'm not God, right? <laughs> like, like some of y'all woke up today and you're like, trust me, I felt the aches and pains of getting older. My knees were cracking. I know I'm not God. But really? Do you really know that you're not God? Do you really not live your life with the underlying assumption that you're a big deal, that you're like the center of the university, do you really know that you're not God? Because sometimes you and I, we do some very God-like things. You know, like you say you're not God, but yet you worry about situations and circumstances and relationships that are totally out of your control, but you stay up at night restless and worried and stressed and anxious as if you have control, <laughs> but you don't. You can't control anyone or anything, yet you stay up worried all night long like you are God. See, you say, I know I'm not God, but then you work yourself into the ground. You work 60, 70, 80 hours a week as if you have a limitless supply of energy. <laughs> Y'all thought I was gonna come back and just give you an easy message. I'm here to step on toes, man. Some of y'all work yourself at, at, this, at, this, at the sacrifice of your family. Some of you are sacrificing your family on the altar of your career right now. And you don't think you're gonna suffer any consequences. You think they're always gonna love you and they're always gonna support you and there ain't no way your kids are gonna end up in counseling because come on, you're, you're a big deal. Like you, you, you live your life as if you are God. You live your life as if you, you don't have the same limitations that he has. Like some of you guys are operating your lives out of this. Like some of you guys keep relationships. You keep people at a distance. Right, like you, you, met, like you don't trust anyone until they prove themselves to you. You know the only one who has the right 
to keep you at a distance until you've proven yourself, the only one who really has that right is God. <laughs> and our God doesn't do that. But yet you think you can, right? It's as if you've, you've taken on this idea that you are the center of your own universe. I'm telling you, I, I, I just believe with all of my heart that this sneaky ideology that says that you're a big deal, that you're God, that you're the center of the universe. This sneaky ideology, I believe it has taken root and is planted in the hearts of every 21st century Western American. It's what our culture feeds us all the time. Our culture feeds us that you gotta do what's right for you because like, you deserve more, right? You deserve this, you're a, you're a big deal. You know how, it's, how, how I know for a fact it's taken root in my heart? How I know for a fact that I have an overinflated view of myself? I know it when I drive. Some of y'all got road rage and you're like, oh no, he's about to talk to me. You drive, come on, come on, come on. You know this is real. You drive like you are God. You drive like everyone should like be aware of your presence. You know, I love Colorado. I love this state. I'm so glad that my family moved here. I love everything about it. Um, but I do have to say, and I think the, the transplants would affirm, y'all Coloradans, y'all natives, you can't drive. When you, come on, when you come up into a, a turn, if it's not a red light, I know at a red light you stop, but if it's like a flashing yellow or a green, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to pull your little butt up into that section and get ready to turn to make room for the person behind you. My Lord Almighty. I had someone last service who was like, that's actually illegal. I was like, you're a native. You are for sure a native. Y'all don't know how to drive. But I can feel it, man. I can feel like my, my God-like status comes out when I'm driving, right? Um, this past Monday, it, it was my first day back in the office and it was still bring your kids to work day because our kids are not in school yet, which my God, the teachers in the room, we need you to take our kids back now. <laughs> we need you to take them back. But like, so my kids were making us late. I'm like, man, I'm late on my first day back in the office. This is not a good look. I get in the car and the car's on E, so I gotta stop and get gas. So I pull in the loafing jug, get some gas. And I pull into the first pump closest to the exit and the entrance. I wanna get in and out. I get out, I put my card in and the card reader's broken. And I was like, loaf and jog, I hate you. As if they should know that I was coming to their stupid gas station, right? You should have been aware of my presence. They don't care, you're just another customer. Right, like, come on, at the end of the day, you have bought this ideology deep down that you are somehow a big deal, that you are somehow deserving of more, that you are somehow the center of the universe. And I think God sent me here today to tell somebody that that is actually why you are not enjoying this gift of life that you've been given. You can't enjoy the gift of life you've been given because you constantly think you deserve more. Some of y'all, some of y'all can't enjoy the leadership and the influence that you've been given because you feel like you deserve more. Because you feel like your boss doesn't see it in you. And so you can't even enjoy what you, some of y'all are in a marriage right now, you're sitting next to someone and deep down you are unsatisfied with that marriage. But actually your marriage is pretty good. It's not what it could be, but it's not what it used to be, right? But you can't enjoy it because you keep comparing your marriage to the marriage of somebody on Instagram. And you think you deserve what they have when really, you're entitled to nothing 
God's actually given you a really good gift of life. I mean, come on, some of us, we can't enjoy the standard of living we've been given. You know right now, you have hit the lottery in terms of the time and history that you've been born. You enjoy more comforts and, and, and uh, a pleasure and enjoyment than most people in all of human history. But you can't enjoy the standard of life you've been given because you feel like you deserve more. It's robbing you of the gift of this good, incredible life that God has given you. But man, if you would just like let go of that, if you would understand who you're not, if you'd stand up to yourself and say, I am not God, I'm not a big deal. If you declare that over your life, you would experience freedom. You'd experience peace. You'd experience a release of stress, a release of anxiety. You know, when I was gone on study break, um, it was about two weeks into it that I had these, had these couple of days where I was like, man, I wonder what's happening at church. Man, I bet it's not going good. Man, I bet attendance is way down. I bet, I, I, man, I wonder if the guest preachers are doing, doing well. I don't know, man. I started getting worried. I'm like, man, I'm gonna walk back in this place and it's gonna be half of what it used to be. I'm so worried and worked up. I came back and attendance was bigger in July when I wasn't here than it was in June when I was here. <laughs> and everything went great. Like I came back last week and all the staff members were like, oh yeah, everything's going good. Uh, yeah, you're back. Hey man, welcome back. Business as usual, right? And, but, but you know what that did in my heart? It made me go, thank God. Thank God. Because you were not created to be the center of your own universe. I was not created to be the center of the Peak City universe. This is about something so much bigger. This is not about a personality on a stage. This is about a group of people committed to helping people discover who Jesus really is and then give them the courage to follow him fearlessly. And that's not on me, that's on us. We're together in this thing. And that relief, that peace, that, that release of anxiety only comes when you step out of the center of your universe. When you step out of the seat of God, and you declare, I am not. You know, God, in the Old Testament, he told Abraham that his name is I am. Right, I am. I am everything you need. I am. I think he told Abraham I am so that you could say I am not. I'm not. And if you would declare that over your life, I'm telling you, you'd experience so much peace, so much joy, so much purpose. And then it would free you up to understand who you really are. See, now that you've knocked down all the, all the categories on guess who, Right, and you know who you're not, now you can see very clearly who you are. And I wanna tell you who you are today. I wanna I, I, I show you what John the Baptist said about who he really is. And I believe his calling, his identity, his purpose is the same as yours, as the same as mine. Look with me in verse 22. They say, then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? And John replied, you know, after I've told you who I'm not, okay, now I'll tell you who I am. John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. I believe that calling that he declared over his life is the same calling that you should declare over your life. I think even if you don't believe in God right now, I think if you're here and you're still sorting out faith and you're not sure what you believe, I think this is your identity, this is your calling, this is your purpose. You know, just because you don't believe in God doesn't change the existence of God. 
Just because you aren't following Jesus yet doesn't mean that you're created, knit you together in your mother's womb. Purpose has changed. Every single one of us, we were created in our inmost being to be a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. I love that he says a voice, right, a voice. Not the voice, not the voice. My wife and I, um, you know, there's a lot of times when I'm like up here, like I wanna make sure I share with you all the struggles that I've had in my life because I think sometimes you think, God with a microphone, he's probably got his life all together and that's never the case. Any person with a microphone, I can go and tell you they messed up because they have a microphone. That messes them up anyways. But like legit, I can't, I can't like tell, like we've had rough times in our marriage. Like early on, our first five years of marriage were brutal, really, really hard. And it was mostly because of my stupidity. But man, since then, like we've just got such a special relationship and she's my best friend. I know, there's nobody I'd rather hang out with than her. And you know, we have so much in common. Like we, it's just not hard for us to hang out. And it's beautiful, man. I, I praise God for that. But, but early on, we had some fights. And the, and the biggest fight we experienced early on was over uh, what we're gonna watch on TV at night, right? Nobody prepares you for that. When you're a young adult, you come home from work and you're just like, I'm gonna watch whatever I wanna watch. And all of a sudden you get married. It's like, now there are two people on that couch and one remote, Right? And so she's like, hey, let's watch The Voice together. And I was like, I will never watch The Voice with you. When you're young, when, I see, I feel like as I'm getting older, I'm starting to understand. When, when you're a younger man, you get passionate about stupid things, right? Things that don't matter. And I was like, I am never watching The Voice. She's like, why would you never watch The Voice? I'm like, well, I have many fundamental issues with The Voice. First and foremost, we chose, of all the artists in our country, to choose the future of music in America, we chose Adam Levine, <laughs> Miley Cyrus, Gwen Stefani, like, we could... We could chose anyone and we chose them, really. But my, my real fundamental issue is with the title, The Voice. You're not gonna find The Voice, right? American Idol went like 50 seasons and they found like two stars. You're not gonna find The Voice, you're gonna find A Voice and they'll have like one hit that you paid way too much money to get out on the radio and then we'll forget them, right? This is, this is what it is. And so I was so opposed to it, it was so stupid. And so we, we, we actually finally met in the middle on it. Um, we, we agreed uh, The Voice was not the winner. But I met her in the middle, like a good marriage, right? You make concessions, you make this, it's like sacrificial love. Uh, instead of the voice, we agreed on the bachelor and the bachelorette. And I'm not ashamed to say that. That's great TV. It's ungodly in every way, but it is great, great TV. I'm gonna preach a whole sermon one day on what I've learned, lessons I've learned from the bachelor and the bachelorette. That could be our next like series on like dating and singleness and marriage. That's gonna have to happen at some point. Um, the voice though, right? You aren't called to be the voice. I think sometimes we like work ourselves up because we think we're like the one voice God is using in someone's life. That you have a coworker that comes to you with a problem and they want advice and you're like all worked up, like, oh no, what am I gonna say to them? Or like, you know, you have an opportunity to share your faith or invite someone to church, like, oh no, what am I gonna say? I wanna make sure I say the right words as if you are the voice in their life. You are not called to be the voice. You're called to be a voice. One of many that God will use to help someone. The pressure's off. You don't have to say it perfectly. You know, I was, I was doing a little Facebook marketplace transaction with a guy a couple weeks ago. And uh, we met up, I was buying something off of him and, and I, I tried to do my thing where I invite him to church, right? I try, I try to invite as many people as I can to church. I think, I think the invite to church is the most loving thing you can do for someone, right? To just invite someone into this amazing community of faith. And so I said, hey man, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to join us, Peak City, 9-11, I'm the pastor there, would love to, you know, you come sit with me and my wife and um, hang out with us, we'd love to have you. And he immediately was like, 
oh, no, I'm good, man. That's not for me. And I said, okay, well, tell me more. Why? He's like, hey, nothing against you, nothing against, you know, your people, but I'm kind of out on Christians, kind of out on the church. It's okay, well, tell me more. He's like, well, honestly, man, I just can't deal with the trite little Christian cliches, right? He said, I, I had a buddy that I lost, a friend of his that died in combat. He said, at his funeral, all these Christians kept saying these trite little cliches, like, well, it was just his time. You know, God just needed him to be up there in heaven with him. He's like, really? It was just his time to have his legs blown off? Like, really, it was just his time? He's like, I just can't do it, man. I just can't do the, like, it's like I've just seen too much in my life. And man, in that moment, I was like, okay, okay, gosh, I've got an opportunity here. What am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? And there's so much I wanted to say, right? Like, I wanted to say, man, if you only knew that Jesus is so much better than an answer to suffering and an answer as to why bad things happen, but Jesus is so much better. Jesus says, I'm gonna come alongside you and walk with you through your suffering. I'm gonna come alongside you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stretch my arms out and die on the cross and suffer so that as you walk through this life and as you see the pain and as you see the suffering, you can know that I know what it's like. I've been there and I will walk with you through it. Right? I wanted to share that with him. I wanted to share with him all kinds of things. But then all of a sudden, I was like, you know what? I ain't got the, the words or the time because this is a Facebook marketplace transaction. <laughs> this is not coffee. And so I said, I mustered up the best words I could and I didn't even know if it was right or the, the best thing I could say. But I said, hey man, we got a lot of you know, guys here at our church that are currently serving the military. We got a lot of guys who have served in the past, a lot of military families, and, and they found Jesus to be a lot better than probably what you've experienced in the past. And there's not a lot of that trite Christian cliche stuff. We try to keep it pretty real. Uh, so man, if, if you ever change your mind, we'd love to have you. And he was like, well, cool, thanks, I'm out, see you later. And that was it. And I walked away from that conversation. It's like, man, could I have said more? Could I, could I have pointed him to the, to the love of God more clearly? Like, I didn't even tell him about how good God's been to me. Like, man, I've been through suffering. I've been through the crap. And God's walked with me through it. I, I didn't get to tell him any of that. And I was like, dang it, man, I missed my chance. And then I read this, it's like, no, 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 hold up. I am not the voice, the only voice that God is using in that man's life. I'm a voice and I don't have to get it right. I don't have to nail it and be perfect. I just have to tell him as best I can how good God is, right? I just have to as best I can describe how good Jesus is. And in the moment, if I don't get it right, you know what, that's okay. That's okay because I'm not the center of the universe. I'm not God. I'm not the voice, I'm a voice. You need to be freed from that pressure. You need to be freed from that anxiety to say the right thing all the time. It's not all on you. You've got a God who's way bigger, who's using all kinds of situations and circumstances to draw people to him. And, and if you would just step out of the way, if you'd put yourself out of the center of your own universe and you start using your voice, your one voice, like John the Baptist did, notice he says, I am a voice and I'm just one, but my one voice, it's shouting in the wilderness. I'm gonna go as loud and as big and as strong as I can. I'm gonna shout about the goodness of God. I'm gonna shout about, about how good Jesus has been to me. I'm gonna clear the way for people to see who Jesus really is and, 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 and what he's really all about. You know, in 21st century America, there's a ton of debris in the road that keeps people from Jesus. There's a ton of messed up examples of Christians, messed up churches, messed up. I mean, there's politicians attaching their agenda to Christianity every single day. There is debris in the road 
everywhere for people to get to Jesus. You are meant to use your voice for the most powerful purpose it could possibly have, and that is to clear the way for people to see who he really is. It's the most powerful use of your one life. Even if you don't believe in Jesus yet, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you think you're like pursuing this career, pursuing this calling and this identity. I'm just telling you at the end of the day, the most powerful thing you can use your life for is to help people see Jesus. It don't matter your career. It don't matter your interests. It don't matter your background. You will find at the end of this thing, the most powerful, powerful, powerful thing you could use your one voice for is to help people see Jesus. That's why, that's why Eugene Peterson, my, my favorite pastor, he, he rewrote the Bible and kind of translated it in his own, his own language for his own church. He translated this verse that we're talking about, like a voice in the wilderness shouting, clear the way for the Lord. He translated it like this. He said, here's who I am. I'm thunder in the desert. Whew, that's tattoo worthy. Who are you? I'll tell you who I'm not. I'm not God, I'm not a big deal, none of that, no, no. Who am I? I may not be God and I'm not a big deal, but I am thunder in the deserts. Everybody might not hear it, but I am thunder in the desert. I'm gonna use my story and use my life for the most powerful purpose I can, and that is not to point to myself. You know, that's what thunder does, right? Thunder doesn't point to thunder. Thunder points to rain. The most powerful thing you can do with your life is use it to point people to Jesus. And it's powerful. It's powerful. You know, our country right now is a freaking desert. There is no hope. There is no joy. There is no mercy. There is no grace. It is not an unconditional love society. It's very conditional. Our world is a desert right now. There are people wandering and hurting. When you walk into work tomorrow, you are walking into a desert. When you go to school this fall, you are going to school in a deserts full of lost and hurting people. And what God is saying is you just go out there and you don't worry about whether or not you do it right. You don't worry about any of that. No, no, just go out there and be thunder. You be thunder and I'll be rain, God says. You just tell people about how good I am and then I'll meet their needs, right? I'll be the one that brings refreshing. I'll be the one that brings the rain. And I say that to you like, yes, 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 yes. Yes, I hope that if you believe in Jesus, I hope and I pray that you will have a fire ignited in you tomorrow to go out and tell more people about how good God is. Absolutely. But I say it even if you're here and you're struggling with faith and you're not sure what you believe, the quicker you can get on board with your true calling in life, the quicker you'll experience life to the full. The quicker you can remove yourself from the center of your universe, the quicker you're gonna experience life to the full, because in the end, in the end, let me take you there. In the end, when your life ends, when this world ends, no one is gonna be asking the question, who are you? Nobody. Won't even be a thought. No one's gonna get to heaven and go, man, I wonder who you are. At the end of this thing, it will not matter who you are, all that will matter is who he is. All that will matter is how good he's been. All that will matter is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that provided a way for humanity to be saved by God. It's the only thing that's gonna matter. And the quicker you get there, the quicker you end this meaningless chase for purpose, this meaningless chase for significance, the quicker you just remove yourself from all that, the quicker you step into the life that God created for you. It's what he's called you to do. And I wanna give you the chance to Maybe declare that to God today for the first time. You know, some of you, 
have been on the fence with faith for a long time. And maybe today, the most powerful thing you can do is to say, God, I have acted as if I am you my entire life. And for the first time, I'm going to remove myself from the center of my universe. And I'm gonna say yes to you. I believe there are people that spend their entire lives in churches and they never truly start following Jesus. I think that's why Jesus said, many on that day, the day of judgment, will say, Lord, Lord, and Jesus will be like, I never even knew you. I think people fill the rows of churches every week, but never make the decision to start following Jesus. I wanna give you the chance to, to course correct in that way. And maybe for some of you, it's, it's not that you haven't started following Jesus, it's just that you've been following him, but this cultural ideology that puts you at the center of your universe, you need to repent of it. You need to just turn away from it. You need to call it what it is. I have placed myself at the center of of the world and Jesus today, I walk away from that. I give you the seat of king in my life. So I wanna give you the chance to do that. We We do this in every service, a time of response. So would you stand with me to your feet? We create a, a moment of privacy for everyone in the church. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. It's a moment between you and God. And if you know today that you have never made that decision to start following Jesus, and you don't have to have your life cleaned up, you don't have to have the Bible memorized, none of that, no, no, no. You just have to be ready to say yes to him and we'll walk alongside you, we'll help you figure out next steps. Jesus just wants a, wants a moment with you where you draw a line in the sand and say, Jesus, I'm gonna start following you now. If that's you, and you wanna receive the forgiveness and the grace of God for the very first time in your life, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three as a private decision between you and God. One, two, three. It's beautiful, it's so good. That's incredible. Awesome, you can put your hands down. If you, um, maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, but you've just, unbeknownst to you, you weren't even aware of it, you have bitten into this hook, line, and sinker that you're the center of the universe, and you just know it, and you just wanna repent before God today, you wanna turn away from it, and you wanna say, Jesus, I give you the center, right? I give you the center seat in my life. I am not God. I am not a big deal. If you just wanna say that before God today and repent of it and give him that, that place in your life again, if you wanna recommit your life to Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. It's a private decision between you and him. One, two, three. It's beautiful, hands up all over the room, that's incredible. Love that. Let's pray together, let's pray and ask God to change our hearts. <clears throat> oh, Jesus, 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 we love you. And um, God, we are so relieved that we don't have to be you. <laughs> What a, what a big responsibility. What an amazing leader you are. What an amazing king you are. And God, we just come before you and we enjoy the gift of peace. We enjoy the release of anxiety and worry in your presence. We say, we are not you. We are not God. We are not a big deal. God, that's you. And so we declare that today. God, I pray that you would change our minds and change our hearts in a supernatural way. God, I pray for those people that made first-time decisions today. God, I know that was such a special moment for them. I pray that you'd meet them in these moments. 
meet them in these days ahead as they start walking with you and, and journeying with you, God. And God, more than anything, we just wanna be the kind of place where when people come here, they know that it's not about us, it's all about you. We wanna be the type of place that just lifts you high and honors you as the God that you really are. And so Jesus, we sing these words to you today, declaring that we just want you. We don't want anything else, Jesus. We just want you. We want you, Lord. Thank you for joining us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for weekly recordings of Sunday service and follow us on Spotify and Apple Music for weekly audio recordings and podcasts.